This daily grind, I need one wine. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. Every day of my life is such a grind. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. So today we're going to finish up Acts chapter 16 and I hope that you uh, have taken my advice and and just like Paul was obedient to uh, the Holy Spirit that he kept on going the course and he answered the Macedonian calls. We're going to see here in just a second as he boarded that ship that was sailing out of Troas and going into Macedonia because of his obedience, you know, we, we have all these great examples that encourage us to give our lives to Jesus, that encourages us to keep on keeping on no matter the challenges that come our way because that's exactly what we see from Luke's writings is he was an eyewitness and he he was there to see all these things taking place and and, and what he's about to write about in, in, at the end of, of, of Acts chapter 16 uh, was it will be very encouraging, especially if you're being persecuted for your faith. And so let's move on and finish up Acts chapter 16 here. And I want to pick up with, with where uh, Luke joins Paul and Silas, and they have set sail from Macedonia, and they leave Troas, and they travel through Sam, uh, Samothrace, or however you pronounce that, to Neapolis, and then they arrive in Philippi, which was a major city of the district of Macedonia, and it's a Roman colony. Uh, Luke says that uh, they stayed there several days, and as Paul's custom was, when he entered a new city, and I've mentioned this many times, he would always go visit a synagogue, especially if it was the Sabbath day uh, when they arrived. But however, when they come into Philippi, there, there's a, a, a small problem with with what Paul's custom is because uh, more than likely there is not a synagogue in Philippi because of the lack of the Jewish presence uh, that is there and uh, I just want to uh, challenge you to uh, do a word study uh, and, and, and it's a word that is pronounced minion and, it, and it's not like that 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 show or that cartoon with the minions but it's M-I-N-Y-A-N. It's a Hebrew word, uh, and it comes from the Torah, meaning uh, the quorum of 10 Jewish adults that are required for certain religious obligations. Uh, This is from Wikipedia. It says that in more traditional streams of Judaism, only uh, only males 13 years old or older may constitute a minion. Therefore, since the influence of Judaism uh, in this region of Philippi was very weak, there may not have been enough Jewish men to have a synagogue. So t- check out that word. It's, it's, it's very deep, and I don't want to take the time to get into it, but I, I just want to give you the opportunity that you can study it. It's Minyan, M-I-N-Y-A-N. And so the, a very good reason why uh, here it is the Sabbath day, and, and Paul has reached Philippi, and and. He does something that that goes. Uh, he he does something that's non-traditional for him because it's the Sabbath day, and since there's probably not a synagogue there, he he 
he goes down by the river and, and uh, he's hanging out on the bank of the river. Why would he do that? Well, Luke tells us. He says that they went there because they thought that there would be some people there that have come to the river to pray. Now, remember the vision that Paul had of a man. It was a man in his vision, right? And he's pleading for Paul to come to Macedonia and to help them. Now, one would expect Paul to run into this guy immediately. You know, if he's obeying God and he's doing what the will of God is, you would think that, that when Paul arrives at Philippi, he would immediately run into this guy and introduce himself and say, hey, I saw you in a vision and, you know, I was obedient, so what do you need help with? Or maybe we would think that he would meet this guy and there would just be these crowds of people waiting on him to hear the message that, that he is preaching about, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. But that's simply not the case. What Paul finds is a group of women that have gathered at the river. And these women, especially, uh, and we're going to be introduced to one uh, named Lydia, who was a businesswoman. And many people think that, that she was a widow. And she loves God. Somehow, some way, she had heard about this Jewish God uh, named Jehovah God. And she knows that he is the one true God. And somehow, some way, after hearing about this God, she decided that she wanted to serve God. And so this strikes up a conversation between Paul and, and, and Silas and, and, and Luke and these women there at the river. And somewhere in the conversation, Paul has uh, an opportunity to tell these women about Jesus. And so we're introduced to this woman named Lydia. And Luke tells us that Lydia is from Thyatira and that she sells purple cloth, which was very expensive. Now, Wikipedia says this about Thyatira. It says, during the Roman era, which is the first century AD, it was famous for its dyeing facilities and Thyatira was the center of the purple cloth trade. Among the ancient ruins of the city, inscriptions have been found relating to the guild of dyers and uh, uh, that uh, in the city. Indeed, more guilds are known in Thyatira than any other contemporary city in the Roman province of Asia. Inscriptions mention the following wool workers, linen workers, makers of outer garments, dyers, leather workers, tanners, potters, bakers, slave dealers, and bronze smiths. Now, Lydia was more than likely a rich lady. Uh, she sold uh, very expensive purple cloth. She would be uh, uh, a business uh, woman. And for whatever reason, most biblical scholars say that she was a widow. We don't really know that. The Bible doesn't say. Uh, but they have, you can do a word study on this and research Lydia for the reasons why they come up with that. But despite there being a lack of Jewish presence in this area, Lydia was interested in the one true God and not 
the false gods of her region, which is very interesting to me. So Paul and his companions, they strike up a conversation with these women, like I said, and at some point during the conversation, uh, Paul shares the gospel, which is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus with Lydia and these women, and Lydia, Lydia accepts what Paul is saying, and she accepts Jesus Christ. Luke, Luke says it like, like this in verses 14 and 15. As she, Lydia, listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests, saying, If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Now, I have no way of proving this, but there was a church that was started in Thyatira. In fact, it was one of the seven churches mentioned in Revelation. Could it have possibly been started by Lydia? Yes. In my opinion, absolutely yes. Because we know, as, as far as Luke, when he is giving his accounts of where they visited, he never mentions that Paul went to Thyatira. And he's usually specific about where Paul had traveled to. But we do know that he is on this riverbank in Philippi and he is having a conversation with these women. And we do know that one of them's name is Lydia and that she was obedient to the gospel message. She was baptized for the remission of her sins and she's from Thyatira. It is very well possible, in my opinion, that Lydia could have went back home to Thyatira to visit her family and her friends after her conversion and she told them about the difference that Jesus Christ has made in her life. And now that she is sharing the gospel with her friends and her family, they too could have possibly been obedient to the gospel and they could have easily have started a church right there in Thyatira. Can I prove it? No. But I don't think anybody can disprove it as well. But here's a point that I want to make. Jesus and Christianity, but especially Jesus, opened the door to freedom for women. In the Old Testament, women weren't very well respected at all. But there were some, and there are some, exceptions. In the New Testament, women were restricted, especially in the worship of God under Judaism. They had certain places they could go in the temple, but they were banned from many others, especially in entering into the holy place, into the holiest of holies, where God, if you will, resided. We know there, were, there was a woman uh, whose husband had died after she'd been married for seven years and she remained uh, a, a widow. When Jesus was brought into the temple as a, a, a baby, she, uh, she got to see Jesus and her name was Annas. Uh, but for the most part, women were restricted in their culture. In, in the Bible days, they were restricted in their culture, they were restricted in their homes, and they were restricted in their worship. And that is until Jesus came along. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says this, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours, Jesus, he understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. 
So we, both men and women, have direct access to the throne of God because of Jesus. There are no more restrictions for neither man nor woman because of what Jesus did on the cross. When he died on the cross, Matthew talks about the veil of the temple that separated man from God. It was torn in two from top to bottom as if God himself took his hands and literally ripped that veil in half saying, here I am, come on in anytime that you want to. So if we have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, either man or woman, and we're filled with God's Holy Spirit, we, there are no more barriers. We have direct access to the throne of God. And if you think about it, when Philip was in Samaria preaching, Luke makes it a point to say both men and women were being saved. And obviously this would be a theme, a reoccurring theme as Paul and others travel around sharing the gospel throughout the New Testament. You know, women today, they say they want equality and they want rights. Well, women today, they, I'm just going to tell you, you need to turn to Jesus because he gives you both. The very first person to announce Jesus' resurrection was a woman, Mary Magdalene. Luke records that there were women among the number of disciples that had gathered in Jerusalem after the ascension of Jesus in Acts chapter 1. Philip, who was going around Samaria and preaching, he had daughters who prophesied. Priscilla and Aquila were a married couple, but it was Priscilla who many times was the dominant character in that household. Phoebe was called a deaconess, and a lady named Chloe had a church that met in her house. And in my opinion, like I said, it is very possible that Lydia, the very first European convert, a woman, had a hand in starting the church in Thyatira. Now, when we come back from break, we're going to finish off the, the rest of Acts chapter 16, talking about, you know, I, I said at the beginning, uh, I think it was two podcasts ago, when uh, Silas decided that he was going to join uh, Paul for this missionary journey. I don't think he realized what he was getting himself into, and he's just about to realize when we come back from break, we'll see it what he had chosen to get himself into. We'll be right back. This is Bruce Stott, one of the elders at Partnership Christian Church, and I want to invite you and your family to worship with us this coming Sunday. Check us out on Facebook or YouTube for service times and directions. Thanks for listening to Grind It Podcast. Keep grinding. So in the rest of chapter 16, Luke focuses on what happens to Paul and Silas as they were staying in Philippi. And by the way, Paul writes a letter to the, the, the church at Philippi, the Philippians, at some point before he is killed for his faith. And in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Paul says this, This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. You see, it all started with a vision from a man calling out to Paul to come and help us over here from Macedonia. And it started with a conversion of a woman who sold purple linen along with her household. And it's just about to blossom into something awesome for the kingdom of God. And so 
Paul and Silas, they're, 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 they're going to a place where people are gathered to pray. And they're going there like every day. And as they walk to this place, there would be this young girl. She was a slave girl who would follow them. And as she's following them, she's shouting at the top of her lungs, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Well, you know, what she's saying is the truth, but the problem with this girl was, it, 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 it wasn't this girl saying this stuff at all. It was a demon that was inside of this girl. She was used as a slave by these men because since she was demon-possessed, she could tell people's fortunes. And when Paul... And Silas, with Paul and Silas, the, the demon didn't like it. He, they, he didn't like Paul and, Silas, Paul and Silas and them preaching the gospel message and, and getting people saved. So it thought this demon thought that it would try and shame Paul and Silas. And this would go on day after day after day to the, to the point that Paul got just, he's like, man, I'm, so, he, I'm, I'm sure he, uh, you could just picture him talking to Silas. He's like, I am so sick and tired of hearing this little girl, this slave girl, yelling and screaming about us everywhere we go, yelling to all these people. I'm just sick of hearing. I'm just sick of hearing it. And so he he just he turns to the girl, and knowing that it wasn't the girl but the demon inside of her, Paul cast out the demon through the power of Jesus, and what he actually has done was cost these men a lot of money because uh, they have no way of uh, making money anymore. And they don't care. These men that own this slave girl, they don't care about the girl. What they care about is their pocketbook. And when we start messing with people's money, bad things are going to happen. And that's exactly what happens to Paul and Silas. These men have been getting rich off of this slave girl. But now that the demon has been cast out because the demon was the one that was telling uh, these people's fortunes through this little girl. And, and now that she can't tell people's fortunes anymore, she's useless to these men and they have no need of her. And, but, but now they're not making this easy money. And so what they do is they stir up a mob against Paul and Silas. Now listen to what they tell the city officials in verse 20 and 21. They say, the whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us uh, Romans to practice. But listen to what they said. The whole city is in an uproar. Really? They've only been there for a few days. They've only met a handful of people. So how can the whole city be in an uproar? No, you know who's in an uproar? You guys. You guys that own this slave girl who's using her to get rich off of the, the, the way this girl can tell people's fortunes. And now that the demon has been cast out and she's no good to you anymore, you're all upset because you can't make the easy money and you can't use this little girl to get rich. And so you're mad and you're angry because your money's being mess, messed with, your pocketbook's being messed with. And, and so what you're going to do and what you're doing is stirring up a bunch of trouble for Paul and Silas and, and, and Luke. And so the city leaders, they have Paul and Silas arrested. They're beaten and they're thrown in prison. But what I want to point out to you is this, that this is exactly what the enemy does. The enemy knows his place. He knows... 
He knows that he is defeated. He knows that God is more powerful. And he doesn't stand a chance against God. So what he does is make a bunch of false accusations. He skews the truth of the situation. He stretches the truth in order to slant it in his favor until the one who is walking with God looks like the bad guy. It happens all the time, especially in today's world with today's media being the way that it is. It's always slanted. It, they, they, they love to, to talk about uh, these bad things that are going on in the world. They, they love to slant it a certain way to make a certain individual look a certain way. Can you imagine what it would be like if Paul would have had social media back in his day? There is no way he would have survived. That, that dude would not stand a chance, but he would have been canceled immediately by the cancel culture, and the woke crowd would have crucified him immediately. Paul would have never stood a chance in today's world. I don't even think Jesus would. So what I want to do real quick is just read uh, verses 25 through 34 and, and just briefly talk about it. It says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations, and all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of the, every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors open wide, and he assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We're all here! And the jailer called for lights, and he ran into the dungeon, and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out, and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And he brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. You know, the Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What the enemy means for harm and tries his best to destroy, God brings beauty in the midst of it. Here is Paul and Silas in this nasty dungeon. It's dark. There's no lights, because remember he had to bring the light in. So it's a nasty dungeon. It's very dark. They're bound in heavy chains. They're bound in shackles, in pain from the beating that they just took, right? And so you think about it. Paul and Silas didn't do anything wrong. They just got tired of hearing this girl screaming at them all the time, so Paul cast out the demon. But these people have gone to the, the, the city officials and, and stirred up these accusations, and so they have. there's no trial at all. They just have Paul and Silas beaten and thrown into prison, right? And so uh, this, this earthquake comes and, and those shackles fall off. And, and, and it's like God is telling these city officials, he says, you may think that you have some power, but guess what, people? You don't have any power over me. So just let me encourage you by saying this. The enemy may think that he has power, and he does have power. He's the, the ruler of this world right now. And he does have power. And he may think that he has defeated you and me. But God says otherwise. God says, I'm all-powerful. I'm omnipotent. I know everything that's going on, and I can take care of any situation greater than he that is in you than he that is in the world. And who do we have in us? God. 
God living in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Keep the faith and keep grinding. And so this jailer, he comes running in and he sees what happened. And he knew his responsibility was to make sure those prisoners do not escape. And if they escape, he's dead. And so this earthquake happens, those shackles fall off, and he thinks that the prisoners have all escaped. And so he's going to kill himself with his own sword. And, and Paul says, no, don't do that. Stop. Stop. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. Nobody's escaped. We're all accounted for. And so this jailer, he realized, man, I don't know exactly what happened here, but I know something awesome just happened here. And I've got to find out more about this God that these men serve. And so he, he goes right, he just comes running up to Paul and Silas and he immediately says to them, what do I have to do to serve this God that you serve? What do I have to do to be saved? Now you think about it, this guy, he's, a, he's, he, he's, he's probably a Roman citizen. He could be even a Roman soldier. Maybe at one time he's worked with the Roman army. He, he could have possibly have been serving all of those false gods that the, 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 the Gentiles worshipped. But he wanted to know about the one true God, Jehovah God. He knew that these two men were how he could find out. He knew there was something special about Paul and Silas. Because he heard them praying when you know they're shackled, they're in the darkness, they're in pain, but yet they, they're praying and they're singing praises to their God instead of, of having a pity party. And so when this event happens, when that earthquake happens and those shackles fall off and, and the gates spring open wide and all of these prisoners could escape, not one of them did. And so this man knew there was something special going on here. And he said, what do I have to do to be saved? And Paul and Silas tell him exactly what he needs to do. And this jailer is obedient. He gives his life to Jesus Christ. It absolutely changes his life immediately. He bandages up their wounds, uh, maybe puts some ointment, some medicine on their wounds. Not only that, but he invites them over to his house. They meet his family. They tell his family about Jesus. They're obedient. And not only that, he cooks them a big old meal and feeds them. And then he takes them back to, to the jail like he should have done. And so these city officials, they get wind of what's going on and, and they tell the jailer, they said, you got to let Paul and Silas go. But Paul and Silas, they refuse to leave. Paul says, hey, we're here, we're Roman citizens, and you have beaten us illegally. You didn't even give us a trial. And so they tell them, if you want us to leave, if you want us to leave this prison, you're going to have to come down here yourself and lead us out of this prison because we ain't leaving until you do. And so the, that's exactly what the city officials do. They go down to the, to the jail and they meet with Paul and Silas. They apologize to Paul and Silas. Why would they apologize to Paul and Silas, these men that they had just beaten severely? Because Paul and Silas are Roman citizens. Philippi is a Roman providence. They could get in some serious, serious trouble if Paul reported what had happened. And so they apologize and they asked him, to, to leave the prison and to get out of town. And so what Paul and Silas do is they, they go back to Lydia's house and they meet with the believers there for just a bit and then they decide to leave town. And so here at the end of chapter 16, Paul and Silas, they, they've met some women and shared the gospel with them. They shared Jesus with them. 
They've cast out a demon from a slave girl. They've been beaten. They've been put in jail. They have witnessed a great earthquake. And they have converted a jailer and his family. And all of this is happening. Just as Jesus had warned Paul it would happen. You will be persecuted for my name's sake. And it's only going to get harder for Paul as they keep traveling and sharing the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection with the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, you know, think about it. Today, we don't really have a clue about persecution here in the United States. We're not really persecuted for our faith. There, there's always exceptions, and there are some people who are persecuted because they, they love Jesus and they serve Jesus. But for the most part, we have freedom to worship. We have freedom to share our faith with anybody that we choose to. And I'm very thankful for our freedom. I don't know of anyone who wants to be beaten for their faith, who wants to be killed for their faith, and I sure, certainly don't want, I don't know anyone who wants to watch their family members suffer for their faith in Christ Jesus. We have freedom to share our faith and to worship our God in spirit and truth on a daily basis without the worry of persecution. Let's be thankful we have that opportunity. That day is coming to where that may change. Who knows? We'll see. But my question to you as we close this podcast of Acts chapter 16 is this. Since we have the freedom to worship God and to share our faith with others that we do without persecution, are we sharing Jesus with others? If not, why not? Why do we not share Jesus with others when we have the freedom to do so? Their lives literally depend on it. Their eternal lives depend on it. They should have the opportunity. Our friends, our family, our co-workers, people that we come in contact with every day, they should have the same opportunity that we have, and that's to be saved, to have their sins forgiven, that they could spend eternity with God and not in hell, separated from God, never to have a second opportunity. Why? Why do you choose not to tell them about Jesus Christ and what he's done for them on the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection? You have the freedom to do so. Please do it for their sake before it's too late. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thank you for joining us today on the Grind It Podcast. Please feel free to share this podcast with your friends and your family so that they too can be encouraged by the power of God's Word. If you have any comments or questions, just email them to thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, keep grinding and God bless you.